Welcome, everybody. Great to have you join with us as we face a new year. Got a message that I want to share with you today, but before we do that, can we just pray? Father, we thank you for your presence. You are forever with us. And Holy Spirit, we're asking as we start another year, would you speak a word to our hearts that's going to lead us and guide us and help us through the coming year? Holy Spirit, let your presence, let your anointing just flow. Would you take the words that I speak and write them upon the fleshly tablets of human hearts? Lord, let this not just be more information, but Lord, let there be transformation. We ask these things in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, well, everyone in life ends up somewhere. Some people end up nowhere near where they wanted to get to, and a few people end up where they plan to. The difference is the people who have clear vision of where they're trying to go. Famous verse that we all know, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish or they dwell carelessly, they cast off restraint. Think about that. Where there's no vision, when you've not got real clarity of where you're going in life, you're going to dwell carelessly. You're going to cast off restraint. Hey, it doesn't matter what you do because you're actually not trying to get somewhere. You're not trying to achieve anything in particular. You know, it's like you're driving a car, but you've got no destination and no roadmap. Where will you end up? <laughs> Probably in some ditch somewhere. Um, so, you know, without vision, we're going to wander in, our, in the dark. We're unsure of our steps. You know, what steps should we, be, should we be taking? And we're uncertain as to where we're going. So as we face another year, well, isn't it exciting to start another, it's like new beginnings. But it's so important that we have vision. So this, this year will, you know, take us somewhere in the direction of where we feel God wants us to go. George Barner, that great church analyst, said these great words. He said, my work with churches, or you could say with individuals, has led me to the conclusion that the single most important element in having an effective, life-changing ministry is to capture God's vision for your ministry. So, you know, we're all ministers, full-time ministers in the church, in the workplace, everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. We've got to capture God's vision for our ministry and our lives. Now, the good news is this. We can't, or you can't always be what you want to be, but you can be everything God has called you to be and what God wants you to be. And the good news is no one can stop that. No one. You know, no, no devil, no demon, no leader, no church, even me. I, I can't stop it because it's from God. You think of Joseph, his brothers tried to stop him, that vision to be a leader. They threw him in a pit, he ends up in prison and all the rest of it. But hey, they were fighting God. And God would make sure Joseph's vision was fulfilled. Think of David. King Saul hated him, wanted to kill him, threw javelins at him. But nothing, but nothing could stop the call of God on David's life. I guess there's only one person who can mess it up, and that's you. And that is me. But when God has called us, we don't have to worry about the people around us. God can get us to our destination, to fulfilling what He has for our lives. Now, just remember this. Activity is not vision. You know, being busy and doing a lot doesn't necessarily mean that you are achieving something. 
And I think one of the key strategies of the enemy is to keep us busy, 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 but we're not doing what we're meant to be doing. We're not fulfilling the main thing that God has called us to do. And so we kind of fall into the trap. You, you know, you go home, some people go home and be like, oh man, it was a long, hard day. Doesn't mean it was a successful day. Doesn't mean you did what you're meant to do. So we've got to be very careful. Activity is not vision. We've got to stay on course and be focused on what God has actually asked us and called us to do. Helen Keller, who was born blind, she said these incredible words. They asked her, what would be worse than being born blind? Do you know what she said? She said, to have sight without vision. Wow. To have sight. Because without vision, your life is actually going nowhere. And that's a tragic thing. So a vision is an appeal to our better selves. A call to become something more. You see, there's something more in you. There's more than your life currently shows. And vision is appealing to that something more that is in our lives. That's why vision is so very, very important for all of us. Do you know the word vision, especially in the New King James Version, actually appears in the Bible 155 times. And Acts 2, 17 says, God says he'll pour out his spirit in the last days. Young men shall see visions. Well, young women as well. Old men, old women. Look, God is more than willing to give you clear vision for your life. If you don't have it, Ask for it. And I'm going to share you some ways that you might begin to discover more clearly the vision that you, uh, God has for you. So stay with us. Keep listening because I believe this is really important, especially at the start of a, a new year that God has got for us. You know, God wants to give us vision. What, what is vision? In some ways, it's the reason you were born. It's the reason you have breath today, why you occupy space. When you begin to discover your vision, it's almost like your life comes in sync with the purpose for which you are alive. And when you sync with what you were created for, for, you start to feel real purpose. There comes a new energy in your life, a new level of achievement, and certainly a great sense of fulfillment. When I took over Church Unlimited about 30-odd years ago, I used to sit in my office week after week after and think I was like a, a hand to a glove. It just felt like such a perfect fit. I thought, man, I was created for this. I was born for this. I was birthed for this. And it just, you know, I think also your, your achievement level just escalates. You've discovered why you're on the planet. So there comes a unity of heart and vision and who you are. And it's just an amazing thing. And it's my prayer that we all discover that. And I know it's not the easiest thing, but hopefully today's going to give you some tips to help you to find what that will be. You know, Paul was called to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He was fortunate. He had a vision. God made it very clear. But he was able to say in Acts 26, 19, he said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Wow. Wouldn't you like, all like to say that? come to the end of life or halfway through life, I was not disobedient to what God called me to do. And then he said beyond that, in, uh, uh, further on, he says um, nor, uh, in Acts 20, 24, none of these things move me. Listen to this. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. 
Why? So that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. See, he received it from the Lord Jesus. See, nothing else really mattered. Paul lived for one great purpose. I've got to fulfill God's call, God's plan, God's vision for my life. Friends, you and I, come on, let's live to fulfill the reason we're on the planet, the vision God has for us in the church, in the marketplace, wherever it is, to do what God has called us to do. Here's some great visions. If you, you're thinking, well, I don't know what my vision should be. Let me just give you some that are universal as Christians that we should all have. Number one, developing a closer relationship with God. That's got to be a burning vision in every one of our hearts. In fact, if we get that one right, the rest of the vision will take care of itself. You get close to God, you will find out why you're on the planet, why you have breath, why you occupy space. Another one I think that we can all have is to become powerful in prayer. It's, it's something that I believe God's got for us because he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. You are the house of God and you're to be a house of prayer. So developing a powerful prayer life. Here's another one. What about more fruit of the Spirit? More like Jesus? That's not a bad vision, is it? More love, more peace, more, more joy, more patience. Come on. More long-suffering, self-control, goodness, all of those things. That's got to be a part of our vision. So maybe if other parts of your vision aren't clear, pick up some of these ones because they are, you can work on these ones. They'll keep you going full-time anyway. What about this one for a vision? God, start a revival and start with me. Wow. It'd be an amazing vision, wouldn't it, to all of us to have? So, you know, vision burns in my heart, as you know. What's some of my visions? Well, clearly to see the church revived, to see souls saved, to see unity in the body of Christ, to see New Zealand turn to Jesus, you know, to see a revival of prayer. These things burn in my heart, and that's what, that's what gets me out of bed each day uh, to pursue what God has called me to do in my life. You know, God's strategy throughout history has always been men and women. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who'd make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should, should not destroy it. But I found no one. Why don't you be one of the people God is looking for to stand in the gap, to do something in our nation or in your community to make it a better place? Listen to this. The world searches for better methods. God searches for better men and better women. He's always looking for a man. He's always looking for a woman. You be that man. You be that woman and you make a difference. That's your calling. It's in you to do it. You have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You can make a significant difference in your world. In fact, if we all made a difference in our, whole, in our world, in our circle of influence, we would change this nation very quickly. There's enough Christians in this nation to change it. We just all need to get the vision God has got for our lives. I love what um, Joel Barker said. Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. Isn't that interesting? Action without, vision with action can change the world. That's what God's called you to do. Vision, one of the great things about vision is it gives significance to mundane duties. Now, you're going to really identify with it. A lot of what you do, a lot of what I do is mundane, and a lot of it, quite frankly, is pretty boring. So how can we add value 
to these mundane things that we do. Well, there's a difference between filling bags of dirt and building a dike to hold back water to save a city from flooding. You see, there's nothing glamorous about filling bags of dirt, but there's something entirely different about saving a city from flooding. So, you know, saving a city gives meaning to filling those bags of dirt. See, without vision, without a bigger picture, the routines of life can feel like shoveling dirt. <laughs> boring. So, you know, for myself, it's, it's true for all of us, but for myself, I do a lot of boring things, really boring things. Financial matters, checking emails, I'm telling you, that is so boring. You know, texts that come through, tick, tick, you know, all the time, I think, oh, here's another text. A lot of them are boring. Sorry for those of you who send them to me, but I've got to just be honest with you. You know, doing rosters, you know, slides for prayer meetings. Honestly, it's boring stuff. But what makes it not boring or what, what adds value to it? My vision. My vision to see this nation change. It's a vision to see revival and prayer, you know, stirred up. To vision to see unity in the body of God. Vision to fulfill my own calling and destiny. What about daily prayer? It can be boring at times. Reading the Bible, you know, at times it's great. Other times it's just hard work. Fasting once a week. Is that exciting? Is that fun? No, it's really boring. But what adds value to it? What makes it more than shoveling dirt? We're after a nation. I want to fulfill my destiny. So that adds it. So when I'm praying, I push through the, the, the boredom. I push through the difficulty because I know there's a bigger picture at stake. So that's why vision is so important. So let me just move on to the sword here. Three things vision is going to do for you. Number one, it gives you passion and energy. That's what vision does. A tough task can feel okay if it's attached to a vision. Think of this young man. He's dating. He's found the girl that he's dreamed of all his life. And so, but she lives a long way away. So he's had a hard day at work. <laughs> he's already got a migraine. And now he's got two hours to get to his girlfriend. Guess what? He does it. He's energized. He's got passion. He'll drive with fervor and fire. Why? Because he's got a vision to meet with the one that he loves. See, vision pushes through the barriers. It makes what is difficult almost enjoyable because that's what vision can do for you. It gives you passion. But secondly, it gives you motivation. People with vision are motivated. No vision, no voter. I am highly motivated as a person. I mean, I have massive motivation. Why? Because I have huge vision. But one more thing it'll do for you, it gives you direction. Think about this. Decisions are made easier in the light of the vision. Because I ask the question, see, I'm the master of no. <laughs> if it's not going to help fulfill my vision, the answer is normally no. See, when you have vision, you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Too many people are saying yes to the wrong things. But when you say yes to one thing, you are saying no to something else. You better be careful when you say yes to A, you're not saying no to B, which is actually your vision and the thing God's called you to do. So you've got to be very careful with that. Vision helps you know the direction in your life. So here's a thought here. You know, do one or two things extremely well. When you attempt too many major things, you'll generally do none of them well. They did a survey, 200 very smart people who failed. 
Do you know why they failed? There was five reasons, but one of the major reasons, they had too scattered a focus. They were trying to do too many things. And in the end, they ended up as failures. Jack Nicholas, I'm a bit of a golfer, not a great golfer, but he was one of the greatest golfers of all times and won 20 major championships, which means nothing to most of you. But anyway, his great statement with regards focus was this. He said, do one thing and do it very well. Just because you can do a number of things well doesn't mean you should do them all because you can't do everything. You've got to work out what does God call you to do? You know, focus in. Try and find out those few things or that one thing that really, really is important. Because usually there is one thing. And we're going to have to sacrifice other things so that we preserve our energy, our time, our talents, and our resources to do the thing that God has really called us to do. The one that we're going to answer to God for. See, high-level effectiveness comes when we focus on our God-given vision. Listen to the story. It's really inspiring. Age 16, Romana Banuelos, her husband had left her on her own to raise two kids. She lived in Mexico in poverty. She had no training, could not speak English, but she had a vision. She made her way to Los Angeles, spent her last $7 on a taxi. She refused to live on the charity of others. There was something deep within her that said, I am going to make my life work. So she found, the first job she found was washing dishes. Sometimes you've got to humble yourself, you know, to do. See, what made her washing dishes, this mundane thing, what, what gave it value? She had a vision. So she was willing to do that. Without a vision, that dishes was digging dirt, boring, pointless. <clears throat> Not only did she do that, but she then had a job making tortillas from midnight to 6 a.m. Why would you do that? What would motivate you? What would give you energy? What would give you passion? Vision. She saved $500, brought a tortilla machine. Through hard work, <laughs> there's another reason for vision. You can work hard when you've got vision. Um, and study. What do you study? Study's boring. I've done it. But if you've got a vision, you'll do it. So through study and hard work, she became the manager of the largest Mexican wholesale business in the world. Doesn't stop there. Then... She was handpicked by the U.S. President Dwight Eisenhower to become the 37th U.S. Treasurer. The power of vision. It'll drive you. It'll motivate you. Give you energy. It'll keep you going when others are falling by the wayside. You push through the barriers. You push through the hardships. You push through the pain, the disappointments, the upsets, the rejections, all that goes wrong. You push through it because you have got a God-given vision. And when you've got a God-given vision, God gives you the passion. God gives you the energy. God gives you drive. It's not just all from within you. It's also backed by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like Joseph were, like David was and gets you to the fulfillment of the vision you have. Charles Swindle said this. I like this. Some, this is for some of you. When I think of vision, I have in mind the ability to see above and beyond the majority. Come on. It's time for you to see beyond the majority. See above the majority and make a difference with your life. Don't be a, also ran with the rest of the crowd, you know. You've got to stand out from the crowd. If you're going to stand out from the crowd, you've got to be a bit different from the crowd. Not a rebel, but a bit different because you are out to make a difference. 
All right, so how are you going to find your vision? Give me some practical thoughts. Uh, number one, look within you. Look inside. What do you feel? What things stir your heart? Note, please, note. What passions do you have? What emotions? What things require no one to motivate you to do? That's a big one. So often we do things because someone's telling you you should do that and you should do that and you know this is the right thing to do and pastor wants you to do that, leader wants you to do that, family wants you. Yeah, but what do you do that requires no one to motivate you? There's a clue of what may well be your God-given calling and vision in life. Secondly, look behind you. Look at how God has used you in the past. What things have you been successful at? What things have you struggled at? If you've tried something 24 times and failed every time, it's probably not your calling. <laughs> but if you've been successful, look, 30 odd years ago, I don't know, probably more than 30 years ago, I was a young person. And I was asked to speak at an outreach in West Auckland. And we did, you know, a whole lot of people turned up and they said, look, can you talk and, you know, then give an altar call? So I just shared a bit of a testimony, I don't know, not for very long, and I gave an altar call. And a whole stack of people got saved. I don't know whether it was 20 or more. And everyone in the crowd, like we were like, what is this? It was a sign to me back then. God had called me to the harvest. God had called me to reaching lost people. I didn't recognize it at the time. But as I look back, I began to see, gosh, that's what God was doing. Third one, look ahead of you. What things stir you for the future? What things do you feel strongly about? What, do you, what things do you feel need to change? What makes you cry? What makes you cry? Wow. Sometimes when I think about reaching the next generation, it makes me cry. I feel strongly. Number four, look above you. This is probably the most important thing. Look up and discovering the vision for your life. What verses has God spoken to you? Prophecies you've had? What has the Holy Spirit spoken into your heart? Then number five, look around you. This is important. What are the people around you saying? What do leaders that God's placed over you, what are they saying? What do they recognize as your gifts? What do they recognize as your abilities? Have you ever asked them? Huh? Come on. Because some people are running down a track and it's just the wrong track. It's one of the saddest things I see in church. People are, are passionately longing for something. I look at them and I think, it's not going to happen. You're not gifted for that, but you are gifted for something else. So ask people around you, you know, look around you. Then one other thought here is look before you. Are there doors opening? See, God is a great door opener. As I begin to wrap this up, how is vision outworked in our lives? Number one, the vision needs to mature within us. What does that mean? Waiting is a sifting process when God refines and he clarifies vision. It's got to be clear. Sometimes it's muddled. So just as you can't rush the development of a child in the womb, you can't rush the development of a vision. You know, because, um, see, God determines the timing. Acting too early is like a baby born prematurely. It may not have the strength to survive the rigors of life because it's premature. See, an, an immature vision or a vision before its time really will really make it in the real world. So don't rush your vision.
Let it clarify within you. Let God sharpen it so when you step out in it, you actually go in the right direction. And not, you know, because sometimes our vision is just vague. And then we have a go at it and it doesn't work. Well, it's because we tried too early. So, but the second thing is we mature ourselves. The first one is a vision maturing, but then we mature in preparation for the vision ourselves. So because we know our vision, <laughs> we assume we're ready. No. <laughs> Can I say that again? No. You may not be ready, you know, because it takes a long time uh, to get us ready. God has to grow us into the vision. So God had to prepare Joseph. We've mentioned him before. He had to prepare David. He had to prepare Moses. And guess what? Sorry to hear. You won't like that. It took a long time. Can I say that again? It took a, a long, long, long time. Longer than you expected. At least probably 10 years, 20 years. For Moses, 40 years. If you're saying to me, I've waited 35 years, well, wait another five. <laughs> it takes a long time. All right. But waiting, you see, waiting can be the most difficult part in seeing a vision fulfilled. Moses had the right vision, wrong timing, ended up in the desert. You don't want to end up in the desert. And often after we receive our vision, there is a time in the desert. And the desert always looks like a complete waste of time. But it's not. God's getting you ready for the vision. It's important. One of the greatest strains in life is the strain of waiting for God. One of the greatest strains. Isn't that true? Waiting life, waiting is, we hate waiting. My level of waiting is an orange light. It, it ticks me off. 30 seconds on the microwave. Can't they do better than that? I sit there, I'm busy. Waiting is so hard in life, isn't it? So the last point is this. While we wait, God is working behind the scenes, preparing the way. Look, God's always at work. Not a day is wasted. God knows what he is doing problem is we think we know better than God. We never say that, but we actually think underneath that we do. So God is positioning you exactly where he wants you so you can fulfill the vision he has for you. Even though at times it may seem like you're hitting nowhere and you feel frustrated, God is working. Now listen carefully. Don't fall into the, but I am not being successful syndrome. Because you've got to redefine what success is. Success is being where God wants you and fulfilling your current responsibilities. That is success. It may not look phenomenal, may not look fantastic, but if you, that's where God wants you and you're doing what he's called you to do, that is success. Secondly, you're successful every day you turn up for duty. That's success. Believe me, a lot of people don't turn up a lot of the time. When you do turn up, even when you don't want, that is success. You're successful every day you are faithful to your responsibilities. Every day you spend time with God, you are successful. Every day you keep pursuing your call and vision, you are being successful. Every day you walk in obedience, you're successful. And one day you may even look successful. But in the meantime, you can be successful every day. It's not what it looks like to, from the outside, friends. It's what God sees as success whole different message is how to redefine success. So, to wrap it up, to find your vision, practically, look within you. You know, what do you feel? Look behind you, successes that you've had. Look ahead of you. What do you think needs to change? What makes you cry? Look above. God, what are you saying? 
Look around you. What are people around you saying? What is their advice? And look before you. Our doors opening. Then wait for the vision to mature in you and let God prepare you. Get you ready for the vision that he has for your life. As you face a new year, if you don't have vision, God's ready to give you some. Ask him. It may take a while to clarify. Don't worry about that. But you get some idea of where you're meant to be heading. You know, ask for it. If, if, you're already in, if you already know your vision, it's not happening, just wait. Hang in there. Let God mature the vision. Let God mature you for the vision. If you're already pursuing your vision and it's not going that well, well, keep in there. Give it your best. Do whatever it takes. It does take sacrifice sometimes to see a, a vision fulfilled. There'll be valleys uh, and there'll be mountaintops, but you keep pushing through that. Keep pursuing the vision and let God continue to lead you and guide you to the fulfillment of it. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. Write the vision. Hey, once you get it, it'd be good to write it down. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. By the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Amen. I trust that blunt message will be a help to you and a blessing as you face this coming year, and may it be a fantastic year for you. So God bless you.